rags. I mean, these are kook, cult, demons, hardcore, evil. I mean, these people are flaming scum, wild, crazy, dangerous people, just like the Nazis, the Soviets, all of them. Pol Pot killing 31% of Cambodia, murdering anybody that can read or write or wear glasses. You're like, why did he do that? Because he's a flaming loon. I think last week on uh, the last five hours, or maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe ten days or so. I don't know. Yeah, just to um, time dox ourselves here, um, we are recording on uh, Saturday the sixth. Um, it's about eight thirty here, nine thirty where you're at, and. Is it about 10.30 in, say, Moscow? or is that Yes, that's about it. All right. So just so that everyone has an idea um, of how current current events are. Um, so uh, Lispegistus is Bulgarian. He's not actually Russian. But uh, to me, as a Westerner, he's from the east side of the Iron Curtain. So he's basically the same thing as a Russian. Um, so... Uh, with that, uh, how about you start with a quick recap of what you told Paz or what the situation was uh, essentially around the time of your last recording? Sure. So basically, we recorded right after the, the first uh, protest. So right. the what had happened? So last year, Navalny, who is a Russian opposition leader, uh, got poisoned by the Russian equivalent of the FBI, so the FSB. Uh, mm. He had the, you know, the very bad sense of not dying, which uh, is a very bad move on his part, caused him a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, but uh, he managed to get uh, saved basically by accident, like the doctors in that area kind of figured out that, oh, this guy's poisoned with something and sort of uh, kept him alive. And then he got shipped over to Russia, not to Russia, to Germany, where oh, he right. got uh, where he got uh, treatment. So this happened in, was it Tomsk? Like one of the cities in more central Russia. So quite a, quite a far, quite a bit uh, far away from here. Yeah. Uh, quite a long flight probably in a medical coma. So he got sent to Germany, he got treated, he recovered more or less. And Last month, at the end, he decided to return to Russia because uh, being an opposition leader in exile is very easy. You get to have a lot of good book deals. Uh, journalists talk talk about you all the time, but you don't actually get anything done. So he decided to go back to Russia. And of course, he got immediately arrested. Uh, his flight got diverted to another airport because a crowd was gathering at the one he was supposed to land on. And he got arrested immediately as he as he was uh, landing. And also the people that gathered at the other airport, his supporters and such, uh, they also got arrested at the other airport at the same time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, pretty swift reaction from Putin. Uh, and they started uh, not suing him. He was already convicted on a very bullshit case, uh, like 2017 or something. And he was uh, put on probation, so they're basically uh, they they were basically suing him for uh, violating his parole, basically. Right. And so his argument in court was, "I was in a coma, basically." 
which is not a good argument in Russia, apparently. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, why didn't you show up at parole, uh, in a parole office? Uh, I was in a coma in Germany. Not my fucking problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a you problem. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just that. There were some other technicalities that got him on, but they... That, that's the point of uh, the bullshit uh, case, right? It, yeah. He... Right. <laughs> He, he didn't actually commit a crime, I'm pretty sure, but they convicted him otherwise and gave him this uh, light sentence, just a probation, so they can always send him to prison when they decide on some technicality. They can always figure something out. That's how it always works. It's always set up. So uh, when uh, the first protests in Russia happened on, let me see, the 23rd of January, so about two weeks ago, yeah, uh, a little more than that. Uh, yeah, and, exactly two weeks yeah. ago. And they started out in the morning. I think they were declared for something like uh, two or three in the afternoon or something. They started out at about 10, a, 10 a.m. I got up, I started following them, and people were already getting arrested. Uh, those were the big ones on the 23rd of January. In about right. 100 plus cities all across Russia, people came out protesting uh, things. Uh, so people in, uh, I forget, was it Yakutsk? Yes, it was Yakutsk. People came out in uh, minus 50 degrees uh, Celsius, which for those of you on Fahrenheit, it's it's about minus 50 Fahrenheit as well. So the minus 40 Fahrenheit and Celsius overlap. So it's, it's fucking cold. I, I have never experienced that sort of cold. And you being near the sea, probably never as well. Nope. No, yeah. Not we even. have no fucking clue what that's like. Maybe uh, the damn woods boys know, but we don't. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so, and those guys went out to protest in that temperature. And uh, at first, the cops were fairly peaceful. They just went in the crowd and started grabbing random people and arresting them without a lot of violence. But by the evening, they started being much more intimidating. And at first, uh, they used just batons and fists. I didn't see a lot of shields. I didn't see any other riot control uh, tools just uh, beating people up basically and dragging them and yeah. that's basically it so that happened on the 23rd uh, as Navalny was getting uh, sued which his trial was on the sec not the second um, yes the second his trial was on the second but on the 31st of January there was a second protest uh, yeah. this one was a bit smaller because it was less cities, but people still came out in Moscow and in St. Petersburg. Um, right. And the police this time were a bit more violent. And this time they used uh, those taser batons, which are pretty fucking nasty if you've... Ooh. Yeah. Uh, would... the... Well, I'm not sure if I've seen them, but I... I can somewhat imagine something. Yeah, like uh, the like the regular the... police tasers, they're just they're nasty, but they're like they're obviously meant to deal with somebody in a situation. This thing is definitely meant to both intimidate directly, not just to incapac incapacitate somebody. This is meant to intimidate someone as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, a bit like a, a cattle prod. I think. Yes, exactly that. Uh, so yeah. they started using those. Um, and they were much more aggressive with the arrests. And something 
So on the 23rd of January, there were like 4,000 arrests all over Russia, which is a very big number. On the 31st of January, there were, uh, I'm looking at the numbers now, 5,600 arrests or more for one day. Yeah. But keep in mind, the second protest is in fewer cities, mostly in yes. St. Petersburg and Moscow. So that's more people in one place. So they arrested more people per capita or whatever it is. Uh, and the people from the previous protests, a lot of them were still in detention. So, mm -hmm. and then on the 2nd February, when, when it was Navalny's trial, when he basically got sent to prison because he didn't show for his parole, uh, the organizers, Navalny supporters, called for an immediate protest in Moscow that same night. And that's when things got really bad in Moscow because uh, the cops immediately... They were deployed from the morning. So the whole day, everything is peaceful. On the 2nd of February, uh, the cops show up uh, in the morning, stop all the metro stations, uh, put roadblocks, whatever. Uh, and the trial goes all day. There's a lot of really funny stuff that happens. Like Navalny is basically, he's in, in the courtroom. He's in complete, I don't give a fuck. I know where this is going. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna speak, uh, a bit more candidly to the yeah. judge because it's the media is there and also a lot of diplomats are there from Europe even the Bulgarian diplomat showed up which was very surprising to me oh. yeah uh, there were yeah. Germans whatever also all over Europe and uh, Japan I think a bunch of other countries sent diplomats to the courthouse uh, okay. as observers there was a lot of attention on the trial so he just spoke uh, with a lot of the he just spoke basically directly accusing Putin of trying to kill him. Okay, damn. Yeah. Uh, That's, and uh, yeah, that takes some balls. Yes, right, because until now, all of the sort of uh, the anti-corruption fund, they, they do a lot of uh, investigations. The, the right. last one they released right as Navalny was flying towards Russia because they knew it would have an impact was about Putin's powers, which we also yeah. talked about on... Yeah, uh, Paz's podcast, which is fucking insane. Like, it's a one point yeah. five billion dollar. It's not a mansion. It is a palace. It has a fucking hockey rink and a and a helicopter it's pad. It's oh. stripper pole in the hooker room. It has a theater and a movie theater. Hell. It has a Nako disco, which I had no idea what that was. But now it's a, it became a, a meme in Russian uh, rap circles. If you if you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, several. By the way, several rappers got arrested for making songs about that. <laughs> of course, <laughs> they did. the songs. Are, I mean, they didn't get arrested for that specifically, but they got arrested for that. Yeah, yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, they got arrested well, for having a position. So there's a bunch of cool songs on YouTube. If you if you type Aqua Disco in YouTube, you're gonna <laughs> find a bunch of Russian songs that are pretty good. Oh my god! Yeah, they're funny All if right. you know Russian. If I if you talk about Russian, they're just the yeah. Podcast. They're good. They're good dance tunes. Uh, <laughs> so, and people have been walking around the streets holding uh, toilet brushes made of gold or gold-plated toilet brushes because Putin has one or multiple of them. <laughs> of <laughs> so, course he does. Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just insane. So I recommend everybody to watch the documentary. It's called Putin's Palace. It's in Russian, but it has subtitles on YouTube, and they're fairly good. They're not the auto-generated right. ones. So it's uh, pretty understandable. They talk a bit about Putin's background in the 80s, when he worked in Germany, 
is a, a basically a desk uh, fucking monkey. He he's not a super spy or anything. He just sat down at a desk thinking how he can how he can uh, smuggle fucking uh, I don't know uh, uh, cassette players back to Moscow or something. Uh, well, basically. I mean, I suppose being a, a highly capable bureaucrat is a good foundation for being a highly successful dictator. Uh, he, I mean, these people. What what they what they do is shuffle papers around and yeah. Okay, so I've I haven't talked about this when I talked about Bulgaria, but there's a great uh, documentary which I, I think also has English subtitles. It's a couple of years old about the Bulgarian mafia, and it talked oh, about okay. uh, it's called Once Upon a Time in the East. It's based on the books of this one author. Uh, I think I did talk about it actually. Uh, that mm. got shot for writing those books, and he basically talks about how in the eighties, wrestlers and athletes would be sent over to the West for competitions, and they would always have an, an agent with them. The right. purpose of the agent was to keep them from defecting, but the, oh, yeah. all of those agents would just steal whatever they can get their hands on and smuggle it back in the country. Mm. And eventually, the athletes got used to the presence of these. They called them uh, suitcases because they. They just plug themselves around like, like uh, luggage. So, okay. uh, so the suitcases, uh, eventually they got used to the suitcases and uh, they in the 90s when the athletes needed money and the suitcases could provide the connections, the athletes became the mafia. They just started running the streets. All right. uh, because the athletes obviously are physically imposing and the, the suitcases knew how to run small-time schemes so that sort of partnership worked so i'm imagining that's basically what putin did he just sat at the desk and figured out how to steal whatever he could get his hands on and sell it back home where you know getting uh getting a, a japanese walkman in 1988 in moscow or st petersburg wasn't very easy no uh, yeah so that sort of stuff and make a little bit of money and so that's basically the sort of people we're dealing with. These guys are petty thieves as well, just like the ones here, except mm -hmm. they they are dealing with a much bigger, much more powerful state. So when they steal, they steal much more, right? The Bulgarian mafia has uh, tens of billions. These guys have hundreds of billions, maybe even in the trillions of illegal money hidden in different places. Uh, so building a 1.5 billion... Uh, mansion is like nothing for these people like it, they're, they're yeah. trying to figure out where to dump their money and they can't figure it out there's not a lot of places and so that's the the documentary and it had a very big impact on russians and they came out in in mass so on the 2nd of february when navalny came out in court and basically accused putin directly of murder trying to murder him and now trying to silence him uh once the the trial is over and he was sent to 2.8 years in a penal colony so he's literally getting sent to siberia the, yeah. they still they still use those colonies they're still around they didn't go away yeah um, so those are basically just rebranded gulags if i understand uh, right yes like gulag is an acronym for something i forget what uh the yeah wasn't it didn't have something to do with the fact that all the gulags were stuck Put in the gulags? Mm, no, it's a, it's an acronym or oh. something. Some you know right. how, uh, especially Eastern agencies and governments like to use very long acronyms. And yeah. 
Like I remember seeing one of the really, really long ones on Russian news. Like it was like 16 or 17 letters long. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, like some some cop from the 16 letters department that I was on TV talking about something. You were backwards from that one. Uh, just like, no, oh, it, it was... would be really cool to make an acronym out of this. No, it wasn't. It didn't have any cool meaning or way to pronounce it. It was just uh, okay. some guy who was in charge of coordinating several different departments. So they just put all oh, the names of the departments together. It was fucking ridiculous. Um, so they're sending him there and they called for a protest. It was, uh, I think it was somewhere around 8.30 that uh, the trial was over and that's when they called for protests. And the cops were already deployed everywhere. They closed all the squares and nobody could get anywhere. And the cops just started jacking random people in the streets, like people who didn't care about the news just waiting at the bus station, just got arrested. There's no protest yet. This is right after the, the trial. Just people yeah. walking around. Uh, there's not a crowd, there's not anything. And they just start arresting people uh, at random. Yeah, and... I think I saw um, a video of uh, some cop trying to arrest some r seemingly random old lady. Uh, and then right. some other absolute king standing up oh yeah like well i mean yeah, yeah. if you're arresting people for a quota just you know take me which yeah. he did yeah that was i think on the 31st uh but on the 2nd of february you didn't see that sort of charity from the cops uh they yeah. were they were instructed to be as intimidating as possible at that time yeah uh, fair enough and a much smaller crowds formed because it was a it was on a planned protest and it was already late in the evening it was like 9.30 or something. By right. the time a crowd actually formed in Moscow and St. Petersburg and the cops were just let loose on them and basically they used new tactics uh, because like uh, two days previously on the 31st they had arrested uh, 5,000 people they didn't have any space left uh, in the in the, va in the detention centers. They even converted an immigrant uh, holding facility uh, into uh, detention center for the arrested people and they still didn't have enough space like cells that are for eight people have 25 people in them and so oh, forth Jesus. and people have to wait for like 24 or 48 hours in the police van until they can find room for them holy shit yeah Jesus without Christ. without a toilet without water uh, that's fucking horrific fucking horrific yes and uh of course you have uh, your detention center for immigrants in a pandemic there's not a lot of immigrants it's mostly empty and then they dump a bunch of people on you and you don't have enough toilet paper. Good luck. Uh, things were yeah. pretty bad. The organization was pretty bad and so forth. That but, does beg the question though, who the fuck is immigrating to Russia? Uh, all of Central Asia is right right uh, there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and most of Central Asia was part of uh, the Soviet Union, so a lot of people there speak Russian anyway, maybe have relatives yeah. in Russia. Um, so they don't have enough police vans uh, because there's people in the police vans from the pre two days previously still waiting to be shipped yeah. off somewhere. Uh, so they don't have enough police vans. So I, it was very obvious that uh, the police Whereas previously they would just park a bunch of police vans and just drag people there. This time they had to surround a crowd, pin it to a wall with a, like two or three li lines of cops in a semicircle mm. around them, 
and just wait for vans to show up like 20 30 minutes later a van would show up and then they would start arresting people like people would just get surrounded and would just sit there just just hang there like that everybody knows in 20 30 minutes you're gonna be in a police van uh people got dragged from the bus like they would get on on the bus and just drag people out um pretty it was pretty pretty aggressive like they didn't it was very indiscriminate uh journalists got attacked a lot uh i think something like a hundred or so journalists got arrested total and this is um it's not like it's a it's a mistake right because journalists in russia have to wear a yellow vest by law to distinguish themselves so when a cop uh bashes a journalist over the head he knows exactly what he's doing it's not a it's not an honest mistake or anything um, yeah, no, you're not just bashing some ass over the camera over the head. Yeah, you're deliberately targeting somebody. Yeah. Uh, that sort of stuff. Um, so we can sit here and talk about the riot porn for fucking hours. It was I covered it on my Twitter feed quite. Uh, I retweeted a lot of stuff. Yeah. I watched the live streams. On the 23rd, the live stream had English uh, sort of live uh, translation, so it was a bit easier to follow for the people. But on the other days, the the live stream I was following didn't have that, so um, I had to basically translate in real time all the in- important stuff I was seeing. Yeah, um, I did sort of that for a couple of days. Um, the thing that uh, I'm, let me see if I forgot something to mention from those nights, so we can move on to what I. I'm yeah, no worries. In. Um, yeah, basically the conditions in in the we covered that the conditions in the detention centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. Oh yeah, uh, today or was it today or yesterday? Wait, days are kind of uh, merging for me right now. Uh, Navalny got sued for another trial, this time for insulting a World War Two veteran, which uh, is another complete bullshit case. And he's having fun with, with this one. Like he already knows he's going to prison, so he's just having fun. Like uh, they have the the veteran on a on like a Zoom call or something, and there's a woman mm-hmm. with him, and he's asking who that woman is. Uh, is she a judge? Is he? Is she a sitter? Is she a relative? They say whatever. It's it's his daughter or something. And can we see her? Can we see who else is in the room? And they say the judge says, uh, no, you can't see. And he says, why? Is she naked or something? Like he's, uh-huh. he, he's having fun with him. He's He's trolling the fucking court because he knows this oh, is... Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's he's doing it for the cameras. Uh, the guy, whatever else he is, and you might read some controversial opinions about him, the guy knows how to talk to a crowd um, and be entertaining. And so there's no protest today. Uh, and the organizers have called off all the protests. They're going to focus on the election next uh, autumn. So there won't right. be any protest. But that hasn't stopped uh, the cops from being deployed everywhere and just continuing searches and uh, arrests and preemptive arrests even and stuff like that. Like uh, like I said, they're arresting rappers. Like, yeah, Did they arrest any rappers in the US last year? For being... Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, know. they probably arrested quite a few rappers, but not for... Not for making what they were uh, rapping. Yeah, that's <laughs> not for. Okay, yeah, I mean, you can you can make a, a song in America about uh, murdering cops, no problem. I yeah. I I see it still on the on the streets. 
Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, that's not a problem. But um, uh, the rules in Russia are pretty harsh, so people don't carry any signs. They don't. Uh, uh, they don't even carry any flags. Like here in Bulgaria, the protests are full of flags. Everybody, there's people selling them on the streets when you go out protesting. Uh, none, none of that in Russia. You, you basically have to pretend like you're not at a protest. Yeah. And that doesn't work, of course. You're still getting arrested. And even if you're not a protest, you're getting arrested. So that's the basically that's the situation. As of right now, there won't be any more protests, but people are still getting arrested and searched. And people are still spending, you know, a couple of days, a week, two weeks, or a month in overcrowded detention centers, including journalists and also artists are getting arrested and uh, mm -hmm. actors are getting fired. I think school teachers are getting fired, like people are losing their jobs. Uh, from what I can tell. And by the way, the, the funny thing that happened today, because the, the police have uh, blocked off a bunch of key intersections in St. Petersburg, people are walking down the, the canals, which are frozen. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that makes sense. I, yeah. Yeah. And I made the joke that this is the second time uh, frozen water has saved Leningrad. If you know the story. <laughs> <laughs> if you know the story of Leningrad in the World War II, where uh, Lake, uh, what was it? I forget the name of the lake near near it, froze in the winter so they can get resupplied as the Germans were uh, besieging it. That's the second time that city oh, wow. <laughs> saved That's the frozen cool. water. Um, All right. So uh, I have a few questions for you. Sure. Um, so number one, um, this uh, Navalny guy, he's going to... Um, a uh, uh, a punishment colony for roughly three years. More or um, less, yeah. What's the chances that he comes out of that alive? I have no fucking clue. All right. Um, so I take that as uh, there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't come out of alive. I'm not ruling it out. Yeah. So. I mean, I, what what I take from this is this Navani guy has kind of, I suppose, made his peace. Um, it's like, you know what, fuck it. If I die in the punishment colony, then so be it. I mean, um, he, he went for, for the king and swinged. And we're yet to see if he missed or not. He went for the what? He went for the king's head and, oh, and right. swung. And we still don't yeah. know if he missed or not. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I'll get back to that in a bit mm -hmm. um, because I saw you tweeting a bit about that as well. Yeah. Um, so secondly, what is mostly happening to these protesters? Like are, how many of these people um, are like getting trialed and being sent off to some sort of colony and how many of them are just being held for some time uh, and then being released again? I mean, there's 11,000 people that got arrested. So obviously they can't send all of them to prison. And yeah. most of them won't be. Like most of them are going to spend uh, maybe a week or so or two weeks in detention and be given a pretty pretty stiff step fine uh, and told don't show up again and kicked out. And a few of the ones are a few. There's already a few trials for like attacking police and stuff like that. But those mm -hmm. are relatively few, like maybe in the tens. I, I doubt if there's more than a hundred of those. 
I, All right. Like I'm seeing the numbers. There's like 39 lightly injured police officers. So there's probably not going to be more than that number of tri trials. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, so to get back to the uh, implications, I suppose, or the, mm -hmm. the potential consequences of these allegations and these protests, um, what does this mean for Putin, essentially? Like, does this threaten his power at all? I mean, of course it threatens his power. The problem is uh, the sources from Moscow basically reported that the lesson Putin took from Belarus and from Venezuela was that you can stay in power, you just have to use enough force. And that's the stretch he's going with. Like on the on the 23rd, it looked like, and I talked about this with Pass, it looked like he was trying to use his, just the minimum necessary amount of power to mm -hmm. intimidate people. Uh, but after the second, it's uh, just be as intimidating as possible. It, uh, they, and they still have room for escalation. Like they, Like I said, I haven't seen any stun grenades, I haven't seen any gas, I haven't seen any water cannons, like we saw, by the way, is, is everything okay there now, where you are? I saw that video of the water uh, cannon a while ago, and that freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, as far as I know, most of the, the riots, riots okay. and protests are uh, right. over. Right, but you see, the Dutch police didn't hesitate, uh, water cannons immediately, the Russians are keeping those in reserve. Like they yeah. have plans if things go out of hand. Um, I gotta imagine though that uh, a water cannon at minus fifty has to be a pretty damn near deadly weapon. I mean, if you're soaked in that weather, I mean, you're gonna be. Uh, I, I I don't mean specifically water cannons. I mean the heavy rat control. Yeah, techniques. no, I, I I get what you mean, but yeah, I'm just gonna thinking like if you I mean shoot someone with a weather cannon in minus fifty. You're... It's not minus fifty everywhere in Russia, right? It's. Uh... That's Yakutsk, it's in fucking Siberia, Moscow and... Uh, yeah, fair enough. They're a little bit more mild, even though, like I said, St. Petersburg is frozen right now. You can walk on the on the river. Um, the thing about it, right, uh, about Putin's power. Uh, yes. Like I said on Twitter, the way I... When Paz asked me basically this, I said, we have no clue, no way to know. Mm -hmm. Now, I think I can make a bit more of a prediction, which All is right. Putin is going to stay in power for a while. We have no idea how long. It could be a year or five years or even 10 years. But his the way he holds power now changed. His legitimacy is severely damaged. So mm -hmm. uh, at any moment, something could spark this all over again. And we don't know if it's going to be bigger or smaller. It's uh, it's very unpredictable at the moment, and there's an election in the in the autumn, obviously. So we're going to have to see what happens there. If uh, Navalny's strategy of smart voting works, which is just vote for whoever has the biggest chance of beating Putin's candidate. Doesn't if you're libertarian, vote vote for the communists. Don't fucking hesitate. If you're a communist, vote for the fucking whatever. Yeah. Uh, just put aside your ideology, vote for the guy who isn't in Putin's pocket. That's the strategy they're going with. Yeah, just kind of hurt yeah. Putin as much as possible. Yep, that's the that's the plan. And I don't know enough about how Russian elections work to know if that's, got, that's going to have an effect. Like, obviously, those I, people live there. They vote on those elections. They understand their system. And they devise a strategy they hope might do something. So I can't comment on that. 
uh, that sort of thing doesn't exactly work well here. So maybe yeah. conditions are different in Russia. Yeah, I'm. Um, I mean, I'm even less of a, an expert than you are, but uh, I do remember from quite a while ago. Man, this has to be more than a few years ago because this was in the years that I was still hanging around nine gag. Um, that there was the uh, like the the hundred and forty percent meme going around. Oh yeah. Because Putin won the elections by like 140% of the votes. So I mean, th that's a joke, but that's basically what happened in Belarus. The guy, the guy won 70% of the votes, even though he probably got 30. Uh, and he's still in power, obviously, right? He crushed the, yeah. he crushed the rebellion. And I think it's, it's smart that they gave up on the open protests in Russia, because if you can't get the critical mass of people to where the cops can't do the thing they did to to them on the 2nd and the 31st, if you can't get sufficient people to not let that happen, you'd basically rather not because you're not going to achieve anything. Yeah. All you're going to do is stick the 10,000 people in uh, COVID pits, basically, for no fucking reason. Um, yeah. That's basically what's happening right now. Um, yeah, I think um, you did explain that on the Gaslight Hour, but... I think it's very people, very people. I think it's very important for people to understand that uh, essentially the logistics of protesting in Russia are very different than the logistics of protesting in well the West and even in Bulgaria. Yeah. So where in the West and from what you told me in Bulgaria, you can just kind of keep up the pressure, um, even if you're with less people. You just mm -hmm. need to have a massive amount of people in Russia because otherwise, like your whole protest will just get round up. Yes, that's that's exactly it. Um, and so there, that's basically it. You at this point, they either had to go all in or they had to go come up with a different strategy. And it looks like they're coming up with something else. And we'll see how effective it is. And I think it's probably a good decision, but. Uh, something else I, I need to touch upon yes. is this fucker let me just yeah uh joseph borel so you heard that name before yes i heard it but i don't right he he is right. basically the high okay looking at history now high representative of the eu for foreign affairs and security policy vice president ah. of the eu commission so this is the vice president of the fucking eu commission Yes. And the guy in charge of uh, foreign affairs, the chief diplomat of Europe. And yes. they sent him over to Russia. Uh, it was pre-scheduled. So first he didn't cancel. He decided to go. And then basically told the Russians, uh, we're not going to give you any sanctions. And we might do a deal about your vaccine and whatever. Basically, he completely failed as a diplomat to put any pressure on Russia. And in fact, made, made Europe vulnerable to pressure from Russia. That at, sounds at, like uh... at the same time, Russia was expelling expelling uh, diplomats from Sweden, Germany, and Poland for oh, for participating in the protests. Allegedly, they were of course on the streets observing, as is their right. Is uh, yeah, yeah, as is their right. So they got expelled. So and he got cornered by some pro-government journalists with some stupid question about Cuba or something. Basically, he got completely embarrassed 
and he didn't know he was getting embarrassed. That's it's pretty fucking bad, and I'm really fucking pissed at this guy. Um, and if in order not to switch this too much to EU politics, which is uh, I guess even a bit more boring than the the Russian protest, just I'm just <laughs> going to to uh, mention that uh, right. Last time we talked about how little shits EU gives about the situation here. And obviously they yes. don't give a shit about the situation in Hungary and they don't care about the situation in Poland. So they give even less of a shit about the situation in Russia. And Russians are, just like us, on their fucking own. Um, yep. And But at least they could have used this opportunity for some fucking leverage, for some advantage. Like at least be competent fucking technocrats who... At least be competent, uh, what is, war for evil, okay? If you're going to be war yes. for evil, at least be fucking <laughs> yes. competent, please. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, man, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, fucking up foreign affairs uh, in a most spectacular way is pretty much the uh, the EU trademark, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't say I'm like, surprised. What was that, uh, that comment that some guy said? Um, he was talking about uh, the earlier proposal for Brexit, where they they were going to put a border between Northern and Southern Ireland. So yeah. it was an early proposal. They didn't really, it wasn't really going to happen, but the guy was talking, commenting about it and saying, it was a mistake and only the Pope is infallible. To the fucking Northern Irish. Oh, Jesus <laughs> I fucking died laughing, like... And of course, that's a that's a common expression in a lot of European countries. Yeah, but it means something very specific in, in Northern Ireland. <laughs> this fucking guy! Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of infuriating. Um, yeah. And of course, the Bulgarian politicians are who are doing the exact same thing Putin is doing on a much smaller scale are of course criticizing, and it's. Uh, they're criticizing like uh, political prisoners and uh, journalists, whatever. Meanwhile, we have Dimitar Kenerov who got the shit kicked out of him last year in front of cameras by the cops. So he's a photojournalist. And ah. he used to he used to brag that when he was covering the protests in Belarus, the cops in Belarus didn't touch him, but as soon as he came home, they kicked him out, kicked the shit out of him immediately. Um, so these people are uh, the hypocrisy is just off the charts right now. It's yeah. uh, it's fucking insane. Um, Gotta be fucking tough as nails to be a journalist in Russia. Holy shit! Uh, oh yeah, I was watching multiple multiple journalists um, streaming from inside the paddy wagons. Like after they got arrested, they didn't confiscate their phones immediately. They just stuck them in there and they had they have their phones. So, and I'm gonna take it with random people I'm arrested with. <laughs> That's, that, multiple times multiple times I saw that multiple times live on fucking Jesus TV Christ. Um, that's yeah it's fucking hilarious uh, it's it's not that bad in terms of um, direct censorship uh, like it, you're not gonna get the, the headquarters of your TV station raided by the uh, the cops and everything shut down if you start showing the wrong thing immediately, right? What's going yeah. to happen is you're going to have stupid rules to follow. For example, anytime you, you mention Navalny's organization, you have to mention the fact that officially the Russian state considers it a foreign agent. So you have ah, to mention that by law. 
you have to wear the vest obviously and uh, have all your paperwork when you're out covering stuff um you have what else a uh, bunch of rules like that you're you you have you can't call people out to protest and if somebody you're interviewing does that you have to show them off immediately and you have to repeat we do not we, do, we are not encouraging anybody to come here and protest with us you basically have to do that all the time um right basically there's a lot of pretend work going on from what i yeah. saw from like two weeks of watching russian media which i don't do usually Right, I'm much more interested in uh, foreign policy and stuff like that. I don't cover, uh, I don't watch internal stuff in Russia a lot, and I definitely didn't pay attention to Russian media. But I had to for this one because there's so little in the West. Um, it is so little that's good um, in terms of uh, detailed coverage. Um, so that was pretty, pretty wild. Um, a pretty wild experience. So. I kind of got sidetracked, I think. What were we talking We were talking about you. Um, let's see. Uh, we were at the... Uh, um, being tough as fuck to be a Russian journalist. Yeah. I mean, most of them are just like the ones here, meaning they, they suck dick for free. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the the good ones... Even one of pro-government pro journalists kind of got a bit... Uh, Roughed up, maybe. Uh, I think one one who was a pro-Russian, uh, pro pro-government uh, journalist got arrested on the on the second, in on life. I think that's, that's happened. Uh, Radio Free Europe Russia got fined like a hundred and fifty grand, as well. Like they they mostly just fine you if you do wrong stuff, and that's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that are coming from U.S. taxpayers because that's funded by the Congress in America. Oh, yeah, right. And Radio Free Europe is funded by Congress. So anybody who says it's a CIA op, it's not. It's a Congress op. <laughs> well, I would argue that uh, the Congress is a CIA op. But... Uh, I mean, if, if I'm talking, uh, if I'm just fucking around on Twitter or whatever, but uh, seriously, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty has been uh, one of the few good sources information information about my country so thank you america okay. for that one well. <laughs> there's like two newspapers i trust and one of them isn't even bulgarian it's it's fucking bad and it's even worse in russia i guess um so we covered that we covered the european fuck up yeah um so i mean uh, do you think the um uh, the the well any kind of opposition stands any chance of success in uh, the elections in Russia. I mean, they they have libertarian party candidates who have seats in like local councils and stuff, so they're more effective okay. in Russia than in America. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you can believe it, and you better, because they're they're in fucking jail right now. Yeah. How many American libertarians are in jail right now? There's like, um, there's like a John McAfee who's on the run, and that's it. Well, there's Ross Ulbricht, um, hey. founder of... Um, but is he a member of the party? Well, no. Right, but uh, John McAfee was running for president. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he's a member of the party. Although I believe <laughs> McAfee has been uh, in jail in Spain for a while. I now. have no fucking clue what happened to him. I, I, I just assumed he was hiding somewhere with a fucking... 
string of hookers who are praying to God every day. <laughs> well, we should check in on that, but uh, yeah. that's a whole whole different tangent. Um, yeah. So, uh, man, where were we? Ah, yeah. So you do estimate that they have at least some amount of a chance of success. I mean, uh, it's a, it's a parliamentary election, so they might get some seats. Right. right? Opposition in Russia is uh, completely under Putin's control. So there are fake parties that pretend ah, to be okay. bad about stuff. And there's a few seats here and there that are kind of independent. So they might increase that number, but I don't know what. Basically, they're going to be they're going to be grinding this one. Uh, there's no other way around it. Yeah. So there's, um, I suppose, a few a few more levels of pretend democracy going on in Russia than there is in China, for example. I mean, Russia is... I mean, uh, if I had to classify it, it's definitely not a dictatorship. It's a captured state, which is the term we use for countries like Bulgaria and Hungary and Poland. It's a system where a small group has captured the democratic institutions and okay. converted them to serving private interest. Sort of the right. same way like America, the problems in America, the institutions are very strong and there isn't yeah. any private interest that can rival them, right? Uh, all the yeah. Silicon Valley oligarchs can get together in a room and make decisions and that doesn't matter if the Fed decides something else. Yes. Right. Uh, they can lobby, they can petition, they can give money and get some of what they want, but they, they, they can't form whatever the foreign minister, uh, I mean, the, the, whatever was that guy's name, uh, the fucking new, new state secretary, they can't phone him and tell him, uh, we're losing money here. Can you do something about that? Right. That's, it works a bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's levels of influence in, in American politics. So it's still a functioning yeah. democracy for the most part, even if it is very corrupt, but countries yeah. like Russia, it's every institution is sort of on its on upside down. And in China, they're just like, uh, they're not pretending. They're like, okay, we have elections, but we're only voting for people in the party. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. We had we used to have that here. And then they used to have that in Russia. So, uh, and of course, you still have a constitution and at least on paper, it's legitimate. Mm -hmm. And this is something I didn't know. Russia is part of the Council of Europe. So that's not the, the European Union, but that means that they are bound by the European Court of Human Rights. Okay. Which, of course, they're not... They are technically bound, but they don't really give a shit about it. Yeah. Because what, what the fuck are you going to do? Gonna do. <laughs> yeah, Germany isn't going to put sanctions on Russia because if they do, Russia can just stop the, the gas and then Germany is going to exactly. stop yeah. being able to make oh, overpriced actually, shitty cars. Yeah, so <laughs> I think that's actually a very important aspect to shine some light on. Um maybe for Americans to understand why the EU can't properly pressure uh, Russia with sanctions or any other way. Um, so basically, most, if not all, of Europe is um, highly dependent on Russian gas mm -hmm. for, um, well, for heating and such. Yes. Um, so basically, if we put sanctions on Russia... Um, or if we put too many sanctions on Russia for Putin's liking, he just shuts off the gas. Um, and then there we go. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than that. But 
The guys is yes. certainly one of the tools Putin has, but not the only one. Um, no, 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 of course, but... Because he, he the... can't really shut the gas because his entire country's economy depends on it. Yeah. So it's basically a question of uh, can you remain irrational faster than uh, Russia can remain solvent? Yeah, exactly. That's, it's that sort of situation. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's uh, who can handle the cold uh, longer, the, the guy who doesn't have heat or the guy who doesn't have money. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's... But it doesn't have to be, right? Uh, there's a lot of political decisions that could be made that could alleviate the situation. Uh, deliberate policy can be, could be set and followed, like, because I'm interested in foreign policy and especially European foreign policy. Mm -hmm. This isn't a hopeless situation. It's just that, uh, that these people are just stupid, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's a good yeah, way to describe the EU. Here's, here's one way we can solve this problem. Uh, call the French and ask them, hey, you guys have a lot of nuclear reactors. How did you make those? Can you can you help us make ours? And boom, 20 years from now, problem solved. Russia is free and in the EU and maybe in NATO and we're getting together to uh, compete economically with China and everybody's happy and weed is legal everywhere. That's my, my future, the one I want. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just... It's not out of the question. It's just... It kind of requires people who weren't born in the 50s with all that baggage from the post-war world and the Cold War and the whatever else they have in their heads. Every country has every country has their own stupidity that sort of keeps everybody hung up. Um, if you kind of have a bunch more forward-looking policy, you can get a lot done. You know, Europe isn't without teeth. And isn't without uh, potential like this. We, we have more people than America. We have easier access to education. What mm -hmm. if a country competing? Yep. Yeah. And it's not yep. cultural, right? It's because people are stupid everywhere. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like 99% of Americans are not contributing to the global economy as well. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All right, so uh, now that we've uh, covered the situation in Russia mostly and slacked off uh, most of the Western world, mm -hmm. um, is there um, anything else uh, that you would think is important to cover? I mean, I don't know. The I think we covered most of it. The thing that... Uh, I'd like people to take away from all of this situation because it's, um, first of all, it's, uh, things are very complicated, right? You always get told, oh, this guy's a dictator and whatever, uh, yes. about Russia. It's always oversimplified. It's always very compressed. And even though I'm very close to Russia, actually we joked on Twitter the other day that America is technically closer. It's like two kilometers <laughs> between two islands. So, uh, but it, they're fucking in, in fucking Alaska. Um, so even here, things are very distorted and we don't have a clear picture and you actually have to pay attention to details. And even mm -hmm. my perspective is very warped by what, what I'm seeing here locally. Like I'm seeing the way things happen here 
and I'm seeing parallels in Russia and I'm instantly concluding, oh, this is similar. Maybe it's completely different, but I don't know. So when you're, if you're interested in this topic, the, the Western expert to look into is a guy named uh, Mark Galeotti. He has a bunch of books on Russia and he's generally pretty accurate about uh, the way these people think. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any crazy, oh, this guy is this or that or whatever. Uh, he just has a very down-to-earth realistic view. Putin is a guy who likes his $5,000 tracksuits. I mean, who doesn't? I want one. Uh, and he is concerned with his legacy and he wants to keep as much power as possible while giving up as much responsibility as possible. And that's it. Right. Uh, there's no, and he's not a super mastermind spy. He's just a guy who was born at a time and a place, and his thinking is warped by the system he was born in, and he's mm-hmm. working from those assumptions, like the the late '80s and early '90s assumptions of the the failed state that is the Soviet Union. Yeah, the new generations of Russians are going to think very differently from him, and once he's finally gone and they take over. Because there are people in his government and in his circles, uh, at least in his technocratic class in Russia's elite, who are like that, mm-hmm. who are liberal, forward-looking, and seeing alternatives for how things can be done more better for right. Russia. Because Russia is really weak. It's yeah. it's really fucking weak. It has probably has more uh, more troops dedicated towards dealing with internal trouble than they have with dealing with external trouble, if that makes sense. Like they're they're not in a good position either internationally, diplomatically, militarily, or economically. And they're not well positioned to deal with the fact that oil is only going to get cheaper and cheaper from here. So there's a lot of people in power in Russia who maybe aren't near the top, but they're close enough to where they're going to have a shot eventually. And they're very, very much forward-looking and smart. So just mm-hmm. like there are those people in Europe, they're just kind of uh, not exactly the people calling the shots right now, but they're there yeah. and waiting. And so uh, that's it. I, I wanted to be a bit more hopeful than just Putin's going to be in power for as long as he wants because he can just kick her ass. Uh, yeah. And that's basically the best I can do right now. All right. There are people in place who, who have yeah. what it takes, but it's going to take some time to see. Like they say in yeah. Russia, Pujivion Povidim. We live for see. Yeah, yeah. Um, do uh, do you have any idea if um, Putin has any kind of a, a successor already? Like someone who would follow him by the time he... Uh... I mean, he's basically planning to be in some sort of a position of power at least until the 2030s. So yeah, if he's yeah, alive that long, urgent. he's... Yeah. I don't know. They're, they're basically, like I said, there's two camps in his uh, circle, which are the more conservative state capitalist sort of way of thinking. Like the mm-hmm. state must be strong and uh, all these giant oil companies, this is the center of power. And the other one who thinks more in terms of uh, a more liberal economy, a more, uh, a, more, uh, a more of a free market approach. And there's a bit of a rivalry in that sense. And... Putin, by all accounts, is, seems to be favoring the more hardliners right now. Uh, there were some indications a few years ago that he might be leaning the other way because things weren't going his way economically. But I think he's just 
he's uh, he's 68 now, so I think he's just at that age where he's incapable of changing his mind anymore. So yeah. uh, we'll see. I don't think he has a, a name or radio or anything. And I don't even think he's going to have a successor. I think by the time he's gone, Russia's going to either go full dictatorship and then we'll see what happens or it's going to be uh, something semi-democratically. Like some sort of consensus is gonna be gonna be made uh-huh. between the elites and and the electorate. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we live and we see. Yes. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you as well. And um, please give me any and all of your plugs. Uh, right now, just uh, the episode with Paz. Go, go check out the Gaslight Tower and hear that episode. Absolutely. Um, and I thank you very much. This was fun as, as always. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun should, having you on. We should right. finally um, do that one with, with Paz, the three of us, and talk about Richard, but we'll see when. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, just a general reminder, listen to the Gaslight Hour. Um not just this episode, although this episode in particular, um, but just listen to it in general because it's a great podcast. Uh, significantly higher production quality than mine as well. With that, I'm sick uh, of it. I will have another podcast out soon. Goodbye. Oh.